to the Fresh is the Word podcast, the podcast about music, pro wrestling, and MMA. I'm your host, Kelly K. Fresh Frazier. Thank you for everything. I just want to start things off with that. We had another two-week hiatus. I'm sorry about that again. One week my computer went down, and then the other week I just had issues with my ears, a lot of earwax build up. Um, me and, me and V-Styles talk about it in our segment later on, so I'm not going to bore you with all those details twice in a podcast but i'm back i can hear better than ever and got some great things lined up for the for the podcast from here on out we are definitely a cool ass guest tonight before i get into that i just want to uh, remind you of some friends of mine who do some really cool things in uh, detroit that are very music and wrestling uh oriented uh if you ever need some uh any screen printing done uh, go, you know, go to Undeniable Press. You can uh, reach them at facebook.com slash undeniable.press. And if you ever need some t-shirts or I guess some posters or whatever, uh, they'll help you up. They'll hook you up. If you're in Detroit, uh, they're located in the Corktown district of Detroit. Um, you know, they'll hook you up with some, uh, some, um, you know, cool gear, you know, they'll be able to press up your, uh, your t-shirts if you're a wrestling, uh, if you're a wrestler or a band, or music artist, or anything. If you need t-shirts, or any other things that are kind of around that, yo, hit them up on their Facebook, and they'll be able to hook you up. Uh, and also, those same guys, they also run a clothing line called uh, 20 by 20 and it's a, uh, a wrestling-themed uh, clothing line. They have a lot of cool uh, wrestling t-shirts, uh, themed by things of mostly the past, you know. So if you want to uh, check out their line, you can go to their website, which is 20x20apparel.com. That's the number 20x, the number 20, then apparel.com. And they'll be able, and they have so much cool shit on there. Definitely pick up uh, one of those uh, t shirts and support some homies of mine. All right, and if you want to uh, help uh, support the podcast, you can always go to freshthepodcast.com. And just share anything that's on any of the links or anything on there. That'd be great. There's a link on there that says support the podcast with a PayPal link you can donate to. And then there's also an Amazon link. If you ever do any Amazon shopping, use that link. It doesn't change anything on your end. They'll just uh, shoot some commission my way. That'd be great. If you want to follow us online, you can go to uh, on Facebook. You can go to facebook.com slash freshes the podcast. Give us a like, post a message. I don't care. Share the page. 
just do something to uh, spread the you know spread the word. That'd be awesome. Also on Twitter and Instagram, we're at fresh is the fresh is the word one. That's fresh is the word number one. And uh, you know, give us a follow, uh, retweet stuff, repost stuff. I don't care. Just spread the word. That would be very, 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 very positive. And you can also uh, subscribe to the podcast on both uh, iTunes and Stitcher. Just fresh. Um, just search "Fresh is the Word" and uh, hit that subscribe button. And uh, please, if you like the podcast, go ahead and give us a rating, preferably five. And then uh, you know, shoot us a, a comment on there, a uh, a rating, a recommendation, or whatever, man. Just you know, spread the word, man. You know, if you're if you're listening to this, spread the word in some way. It will help out the podcast. Because we got some cool shit coming on. Some cool, cool shit. And uh, for this week's guest is uh, someone that I talked to originally back in uh, December. But I, re- I uh, got, you know, hit him up again for another conversation. It's uh, David Gunn, the lead singer of the Flint-based metal band uh, King810. Uh, when I was first, uh, when I first interviewed him, it was for a piece on Huffington Post. And it was... Uh, it was down at St. Andrews during one of their uh, shows. They had this string of, uh, I think, four shows. There were more than just concerts. They were just like more of a concert meets an art installation and whatnot. Their Chicago uh, show had already been canceled uh, due to pressure from the city, due to the violent imagery in their, uh, in their music. But then the Detroit show ended up getting canceled because there were some issues in regards to... Uh, Members of the band and their uh, their their entourage were packing, you know, uh, guns and everything. They were fully licensed and everything, but they, you know, the the venue didn't weren't didn't want them to bring those guns. So there was a a budding of heads in regards to civil rights and whatnot, and they uh, ended up canceling the show. Uh, David goes, you know. Has uh, put out a statement online on their uh, website or on the uh, their Facebook in regards to why, and we kind of go back into it again because I was down there as th- in the thick of things when it was happening. Uh, it felt kind of weird because when I got down there at 1 p.m. in the afternoon, I got patted down like I was going to a gangster rap concert. Uh, so we talk we talk about that. We extend on it, you know, a couple months removed. But then also, David Gunn is a MMA fighter. Uh, he he uh, he's had a few. Uh, two uh, amateur fights thus far and he's 2-0 uh the last one being at legacy fighting alliances lfa2 uh event recently and so we get into um to his uh to his mma career and how um, mixed martial arts has helped him both within you know his music life and his real life uh some of the hardships that intertwined in all that and it was, it was a pretty a really awesome conversation then we also talk about he likes to post the, the books that he's reading some of the um, books that he's reading on his instagram so we kind of get into uh you know so, um, what some of these books are about so that is very fascinating please listen to this whole conversation as a whole it's really interesting david gunn is a really he can be a little intimidating uh, you know, from the from the outside looking in, but he's a really cool cat, very knowledgeable, very interesting, and he's one of my favorite people to actually uh, talk to because I always get something out of it. So let's get into this interview with David Gunn of King Eight One Zero. Last time we talked was down at St Andrews back in December, um, before uh, the King One Eight Um Eight One Zero show there. Um, mm-hmm. Like when, once I got down there, it was like it was like one. 
one in the afternoon. I get down there. I automatically thought there was something weird when I was all when I was getting like viciously patted down by the uh, security there. Um, right, right. <laughs> it was great. I'm like, what's going on here? I'm like, it's it's one in the afternoon, man, and I'm getting patted down like I'm going to a gangster rap show or something, you know? Um, yeah, that's uh, welcome. <laughs> welcome to it, you know. Yeah, so it was crazy. So, like, I knew I was kind of, like, in the thick of things already because at that point your Chicago date had already been uh, canceled uh, due to yep. uh, the city not liking the violent, violent imagery of your show, which was this big sort of, like, art installation, not just your regular concert. Uh, but I knew something right. was going down. You know, you guys were talking about a lot of things. Uh, so, mm-hmm. like... And I just rewatched the statement that you put out afterwards uh, during that time. You know, looking back, uh, you know, at at that time, you know, how do you feel about that whole situation a couple months removed? Um, the same way, I guess. I don't have any kind of changed attitude for it. I don't regret any decision that we made. I don't. I don't. Uh, I'm not upset about the way things turned out. I mean. Uh, it wasn't surprising or anything. We we understood what we were doing. We did it. So I still feel the same way I did, I did about it then. Um, I do definitely want to get back into a room somewhere around, you know, in Michigan to, uh, you know, kind of make it up to everyone and and show up and, and do what, what we wanted to do. But, um, yeah, it was kind of, I felt like it was, uh, you know, I should have said something, you know, in response to to cancel it because we're not um, very big on canceling, yeah. even though it's it seems seems kind of funny to say because a lot of our stuff gets canceled more than more than more than the typical person, but uh, you know, I feel like I feel like I have to always say, you know, we're not running around just canceling for fun things like this you know but you most of the time you know you can't always get the 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 whole story or or get the whole the whole rundown out there for everyone you know what i mean a lot of people will just get a piece here and a piece there or or get these broad statements or these generalized uh kinds of thoughts and things you know so i didn't feel like it was necessary to really dive into details about you know the strange uh whole strange thing with you know the posturing and weird things that were happening at this point do you think there's anything that you can do ahead of time to maybe uh assure that you know these shows go on and that there might you know and that they won't get canceled at all um i know there's going to be times when things come up you know but do you think there's anything that you can do yeah we try to uh we try to you know do it all these kinds of things ahead of time and we they usually go all right um we've never had any um many big deals like this i mean i can't i can't think of any actually and it's usually it's it's pretty smooth um we've missed a couple of shows um uh, once in the past we were arrested going through customs uh in detroit and uh a couple things like that that were obvious beforehand that we couldn't couldn't make it, but um, really it's just a, a part of of things, and we we do try to make sure ahead of time. In this case, particularly, 
uh, we were fine ahead of time. And they kind of dropped this, uh, dropped this knowledge on us the day before that there would be this, uh, all this stuff going on with the extensive security measures, you know, unusual security. And, uh, but we wrote it off, you know, because a lot of people say a lot of things and you kind of just are like, yeah, whatever, man. (laughs) Um, we've heard that, you know, every, everywhere we go. And, uh, you know, plus on top of that, we figure, well, there's no security measures above the law. So, so we'll, uh, we'll be fine. And, um, so we showed up and, and it, that's, that's how it turned out, you know? And, uh, it was, it's like I, like I said in the, in the statement, it's, it's just one of those stupid things where, you know, it's not by any means illegal to do what we did. Um, there's just a, a little trespassing loophole that, that doesn't have anything to do with weapons or, or of any kind, you know what I mean? Where if you're on private property, they can, um, they can say you're trespassing and it's not necessarily, it doesn't have anything to do with, with a gun or anything, you know what I mean? And a lot of people kind of don't understand it because it's, yeah, whatever. But to answer your question and summarize it, I guess, is we, we try to go through everything that we know how to go, you know, try to, even from this incident here, um, get another preemptive kind of measure formulated and added to the the process uh when we're when we're putting these things together and we've done i can't remember the number um but hundreds of shows without incident you know what i mean it's never it's never been an issue so um we just keep adding to the the little appendix that is the uh the checklist that we have to go through to to do shows in regards to the Detroit show, did they ever give you guys a an official specific reason why they're giving you guys so much trouble? Was it the trespassing the trespassing thing? No, it, it was yeah, it was just uh it was a personal thing, you know. It was just um this is what they chose chose to do uh to, and we were who they kind of chose to do it to. It was real arbitrary. It, it's not customary. It's not typical. It's not um you know, that's not usual. That's not even what happens at, you know, hip hop and, and rap shows. They don't um, tear all that stuff apart like that. So it, uh, yeah, it was kind of a singling out kind of thing. And then there was a kind of butting heads. And then there was some, like I said, some posturing going on. And that was kind of what started rubbing us the wrong way. And it was, it was kind of personal at the same time. Yeah. Uh, for example, if we go to over to Europe or the UK or um, you know Australia or wherever, um, clearly it's not there's not a weapons issues over there. Um, we don't have them, and it's it's one of those things where, I mean that's it's common sense kind of, and um, it's it's not an issue because that's not the issue. You know what I mean? But when you're 50 minutes from home. Um, and me personally, having been shot twice, um, been stabbed before, um, know a whole bunch of people in Detroit, you know, and Flint, and uh, that have, you know, done a bunch of bullshit, the worst type of people you want to know. Um, it was just one of those things where it's like, yeah, it's, it's not going to go down like that here. You know what I mean? Um, if we were in Kansas City, Missouri, 
or somewhere where, you know what I mean, 10, 8, 10 hours from home or if we were overseas or somewhere like that. It would, it would have been a lot different. But um, this one was, was is kind of a personal kind of thing, you know, where it wasn't an option for us, you know. Right, because I know, I'm pretty no, you know, I'm pretty sure that there's been many upon many rap shows that even gone down at St. Andrews, and it doesn't matter where the, the artist goes, they have bodyguards that are definitely packing. So is there any yeah. sort of difference between that and what you guys were doing? There's no difference, no. Not, not one, not at all. I mean, uh, the people that we have on our team, you know, are licensed to protect us and carry, you know what I mean? And it wasn't like you know, some, this kind of thing that, that we were, you know, scheming. It's, it was a, a legitimate thing. There are a couple of us, obviously, that can't have weapons, but for that we have a handful of people that can, that are licensed, that are there, you know, to, to protect. And they're, and they're part of our, um, our, our crew, you know what I mean? The people that we've grown up with and that kept around us our whole lives, they're, they're there, um, and they're working and they're doing this, but they're, they also have that, you know, kind of thing that comes with them. So, um, we've, like I said, we've, we've done hundreds of shows, traveled around the whole United States. It's, it's never, it's never been an issue. We, you know, have the same kind of measures, you know, everywhere we go. And, um, it, it was just, uh, it was one of those arbitrary little things that you, you kind of felt like, you know, a little weird about it. So, right. After all this happened, you know, what's sort of, what's, what's next for the band? Are you guys working on anything right now? Uh, you know, what, what's the future have, you know, in store for, uh, King 810? Um, right now we were, uh, we're working on putting together, um, a handful of dates in the U S here. And we're working on some material that, you know, uh, don't really want to want to dive into because it's kind of still really infantile and then we have a um we're going to the uk for a festival called bloodstock in in august for a few days and uh other than that just you know same old same old thing kind of writing recording trying to put a put a handful of, of shows together just trying to I guess do it right that's the biggest biggest issue with with a group like like us the way that we do things is we we don't do things just to do them you know what I mean a lot of a lot of groups will go hit the road for 11 months out of the year or or um, you know do that for two years and put a record out and do another kind of a, a clockwork or, or whatever works or yeah. like a standardized kind of formula but we don't we don't look at the the clock or the calendar and uh and let that dictate what we're supposed to be doing we we just do what we feel like doing you know what feels right you know and, and plan on making the moves that we want to move regardless of um timing or uh um how what, what we what you're typically supposed to do you know what i mean yeah. After uh after interviewing last, um 
I, you know, I noticed, uh, you know, via your Instagram that you also train in MMA and you've, you've had a couple of, um, amateur fights thus far. Uh, when did you start training and, uh, what practices are you trained in? Uh, I started training about 10 years ago with, uh, my coach here in Flint uh, when I was, I was 20, 20 or 21. And, uh, I had trained for a, a couple of years and I got, ended up getting shot, um, in my neighborhood or whatever. And I kind of stopped training after, after a couple of years because of it, mainly because I wasn't 100% confident in, uh, the way I felt like my health or whatever, yeah. you know, um, I wasn't, uh, I felt like, you know, I could have fought before and I felt a hundred percent. And then after getting shot, I, I, I was, my thought process was as a kid, you know, being, being young, well, there's no way I'm a hundred percent now. Cause I got a couple bullets in my legs and, and, and hip and shit. So I can't be the hundred percent that I was before. Um, so I don't know if I should, you know, be fighting and stuff. So I continued to train, but yeah, I never, never had any plans to fight. And then, um, this was all before we had, uh, we were all together playing, playing music, obviously, but, um, same group, but, um, we hadn't, I got our deal or put out a, a record or went on, on tours or whatever. So then we would, uh, do all that and go on these world tours for a few years. And, and when we got home, we had planned on coming home for a few to write and record and, and take it, take it off. Cause we had been on the road, for, I think for 18 or 19 months. And, um, so I thought now nah, I should, I should go back and train now that I'm off the road. Um, and then I started, you know, thinking, even though I should have probably done this 10 or 11 years ago, I probably can't live with myself if I don't actually go fight at least to, to, to go get it out of my system and, and kind of just do it because right. I sh- probably should have done it back then and I, and I never got around to it and I, I couldn't just, it was kind of like the time was up, you know? Plus my mind, st- my mind, you know, kind of changed a, a little bit. Like the way, my way of thinking, I, you know, I realized when I learned more about health and, and things like that, um, the old way that I thought was, was ignorant and wrong. So, um, you know, age and, and, and things like this only, only play, uh, or, or injuries and age and, and things like that only, only play the, the role that you let them play really, you know? Right. How were, how are you able to get past that sort of uh, time in your life after you got shot? Uh, you weren't hundred percent, um, to get back into training and to working out and whatnot, how are you able to get past all that, that, that specific time in your life? Um, I don't think I ever got past it. I think it kind of just added on. I think it just jumped in the, in the boat with me and it's still there, which is why I'm getting back to the questions about, you know, the Detroit thing and all that. It's just, it's not ever not going to be there. You know what I mean? Because once you, once you know, you, you get shot and you're just laying in the road thinking that you're bleeding to death or, or something like that. Cause you don't know what's going on. 
you don't you don't really walk down the road the same anymore do do any of that stuff so i wasn't anxious to get back into training and all that and all that stuff i i had uh i forget what it's called i think it's brachial um i had a i had been stabbed in the ribs and uh i had a, a stab wound um in my bicep that went in and um almost nicked my artery and um um, also, like I said, a, you know, a couple bullets in my legs or whatever. Yeah. And, uh, I didn't really want to train. I kind of wanted to just go shoot somebody. That was like what my life was. That right. was what I felt like I should be doing. And plus I was 20, you know what I mean? So <laughs> yeah. I was, uh, I was, I was doing that and, and my, my, my focus kind of shifted because I kind of, I thought I was doing, you know, the right thing, but really I had kind of accepted defeat in saying that, you know, just a few little stab wounds or a little bullet or whatever can stop me from, from, from fighting or from doing what I wanted to do. Even though I thought I was, you know, focused and engaged and doing, you know, set on doing whatever I wanted. I, I kind of like looking back in hindsight, I was kind of defeated because I, I chose to let it, you know, alter my course kind of and it, it was like that for i would say almost it was like that for at least a year it wasn't like it wasn't two years but it was it was like that for at least a year and i was and i was writing a lot though I, even when i was laying there you know i talk about in songs laying there filling the, the tub up with blood um i was writing then like 15 minutes later so that probably that probably helped, and I and I changed my perspective in the way that I was thinking, the way I was living, and the, and the way that that things were going. So, to get back into it, though, it took me it took me a few years to get back into actually tra- dropping back in and getting back into Muay Thai and, and getting back into Jiu Jitsu. It, it took a few years, um, but it it only took a between one and two years to get back into the actual gym proper and just to try to get, uh, you know, my the shape that I was in, in back, you know, cause I was, I was in pretty good shape and, uh, it was probably a culmination of things. I, can, I guess I can't name one thing that got me back into it. I found like, uh, rugby. I, I play that uh, for Flint. Flint has a team and, um, other groups of people that were doing other things, I guess, that slowly kind of pulled me in, in, the, in the direction that that I am now, you know, just to go back to being an, a normal person, I guess, or get it, go back to getting some kind of routine or habit of life right. outside of uh, bullshit, you know. Was there anything in your life at that time, you know, after getting shot, you know, sitting there bleeding out, almost dying, to where that thought you just mentioned about just going around shooting people, was there anything that like stopped you from to- just going out and shooting people? Really? No. Cause that's all my friends were doing. You know, uh, I didn't know anyone that wasn't doing that and no one really reached out and said, uh, Hey man, don't do that. But the, but, but like I said, there was a couple, um, a couple things rather than, than a couple role models. Um, it wasn't really in people that I found it. It was, it was more in other things like, uh, like writing and reading and even do, you know, eventually training and getting, 
back into fighting and, and uh, even things like yoga, playing rugby or yeah. um, rock climbing or scuba diving or parachuting. I just like to do things that um, that are challenging that you have to you you have to have a develop a certain skill set and, and things like that to to be able to do them and that kind of push uh, push you know your own kind of envelope not not like regular things where you know you wake up and use the bathroom and go to work and do that stuff you know right stuff that kind of pushes you you know and you also said that um there's you know being shot is something that always kind of looms around you forever um has been has you know training in martial arts uh in any way helped you cope with that uh with that time in your life at all um yeah i don't know if it was it was a coping or if it was just uh kind of had me in a better position um i feel like i was actually when it happened i was coming back from training walking back home and uh these dudes thought that i had something valuable because i had a training bag Right, and uh, that's how that's how it started. So I was already warmed up from class, and it probably put me in a, in a lot better position because I was able to, you know, fight back and, and um, kind of probably stop myself from just getting my head blown off. You know what I mean? Because I I didn't just kind of sit there. You know what I mean? It was a it was a fight, and uh, that was kind of interesting because I I had already uh, been warmed up and primed up from the from the training so it it kind of literally did uh help me cope with it uh in real time but um all that that aside um i don't know if it, if, if i really apply that right you know give, give it that kind of credit to apply it right right to doing so i think like i said i just have this propensity to to go towards those kinds of problem solving that usually involve some kind of physical demand and uh i think that i think even that there's science behind that but um without diving into it i would say that it's really just a you know a complex system that i that i'm drawn to and, and i like to try to figure out even fighting even in even just from being raised in, in the environment in this environment and seeing so many crazy things that people live their whole lives not not actually getting a glimpse of um it just you just you don't have that freak out uh kinds of moments so even being in the cage fighting and and being in, in competitions and, and things like that and even being on stage or whatever you don't get the racing heart and the nerves and the anxiety you know what i'm saying because when you see someone shot and killed that's a little more exciting than um by definition than being in a cage fight, you know, you don't see people killed in the cage, right. you know? So, um, it does in that way, uh, cope, not, not, not so much as a, as a mental, but almost like a physiological coping where it, uh, would desensitize or, or, or numb some of the, uh, some of your CNS, you know what I mean? To, to where it doesn't respond, um, sporadically to things like violence or, um, uh, even in a way things like pain and, and discomfort and stuff like that you know what i mean right right 
you know, after all this, uh, recently you finally entered the cage. Um, right now you have an amateur record of 2-0. and Your last fight was a part of Legacy Fighting Alliance's um, LF, LFA uh, 2 event. Um, LFA is a result of the recent merger of uh, Legacy Fighting Championship and Resurrection. Um, how did you end up getting a fight with uh, on this card? Uh, it, was my, it was actually through my coach. Uh, he said, um, you know, LFA's having a, an event in Minnesota um, here in a few months. Do you, you want to fight? They got a guy, a 205-er. He's a cop. And I was like, oh, <laughs> hell yeah. <laughs> so then I thought, you know, in my mind, and I got probably, you know, 30 friends in, incarcerated. And I'm just thinking, if I lose this, then I I done lost in life. <laughs> so I went, right. you know, I'm, I would never live it down. There was It wasn't even an option to lose. I, I mean, I never thought for a second that there was a chance that I would that I could even possibly lose I went into you know training five six hours a day um and it was uh and and that was that I showed up the dude you know he's really cool real nice and uh, I never like I like I said before I think at a couple questions ago I don't have like the animosity or the the anger or anything i don't get excited or out of control or or emotional or or happy or sad you know which which is good because i don't get out of control but when something good happens i don't really recognize it or get happy or in a good mood or anything so i kind (laughs) of just skate through and uh yeah showed up and and fought and went a couple rounds pretty pretty tough tough dude but um like i said i never i was never going to lose that one (laughs) (laughs) definitely uh going into that fight with alexander brown uh what was your game plan and do you think you were able to successfully execute that game plan yeah you know i was going to stand and trade with him just the first guy to hit the mat was going to be the one but um and it, it was Going back, you know, to, not to repeat myself over and over again, but I don't really have a problem sticking sticking to the game plan. My mind, my mind stays relatively clear, just as a condition, as a result of of life. But um, yeah, I went in there and did what what we said we were going to do. Stood there and traded um, for for the whole first round, and then uh, then the second one. Um, there and traded again and uh it was basically like uh after trading for a few minutes i was thinking you know this guy's tough or whatever but i you know had a a sense that he was he was tiring quicker than i was um he was kind of clenching clench fighting and um he was playing pretty close game and he was uh you know kind of trying to smother, trying to kind of get on the cage, pulling it on the cage, trying to control there, trying to, you know, stay clenched up. And um, so then after that, after I got got that, and it was about two minutes into the second round, I realized this dude's kind of tired, uh, kind of, you know, more so than I am anyway. 
maybe I should just, you know, try to finish this. So um, he was, he kept kind of locking up and clenching up, which is annoying to me. So I uh, just took him down, got on the ground and started controlling and, and, and punching from there and doing all that, which was, uh, which was working just fine. But as the, uh, as, as the round went on, I was thinking, um, I'll probably punch this guy enough. Let me, you know, try to, try to finish this. And he flipped, flipped over into a, a vulnerable kind of position. And so I just took the opportunity in order to just thrust choked him. Two fights in already. Uh, what do you think your uh, personal strengths are? Uh, strengths are. Are you, you know, submissions? Uh, are you a good striker? You know, what do you think your strengths are? My number one strength, we always say in, in the gym, is that I can take several hit, hard hits. <laughs> That's my number one strength. Is uh, is uh, my chin. There's a, me and another guy, my one of my partners. Um, that was, that's our, uh, that's our, basically what we champion, being able to get hit in the face repeatedly really hard and not get knocked out. So that, I don't, I don't run around thinking that I'm, that I'm good or anything. I just think that I can take some, some hits, but I feel, uh, I'd, I'd rather stay in a punch and, and, and fight, you know, cause that's, to me, that's what, what I prefer, I prefer to get knocked out or to knock the other person out. I don't, I don't like to, uh, um, I don't like to fight slow, I guess is, is the question because I don't want to make it seem like I don't like to grapple because I, where I feel safest, most secure and, and, and most content is grappling. And, and, uh, once, once we're on the ground, I don't feel in danger at all. Right. When uh, when we're standing up, I feel like okay, um, you know, I could get hit. But when we're on the ground, I'm thinking, man, I know so many things. Even though that's kind of idiotic to say, because you know, no one is is perfect and, and no one's a master. It's just you kind you kind of learn. And, right. But I I don't I don't feel in threatened when I, when we're when we're on the ground. I feel like I'm in a safe position. So. But in, but in my mind, to, to to answer simply, I just don't like slow fights. I don't like dancing. I don't like, um, you know, I don't mind clenching if there's action, and I and I don't mind grappling if there's action. Right. But I don't like a slow fight. You know what I mean? Um, where you where you hug and you you know and you do all that stuff. I like it standing up and I like it on the ground, but I like it moving. I never I don't like. Um, waiting when one guy's waiting for the next person to do something or when even though it is technique and it is a skill and i understand that but i don't like to fight like that i like pressure fighters you know like kane or something that he's gonna he he's gonna as soon as the the fight starts there's pressure you're gonna receive pressure from him regardless of it, what kind of what kind it is you know right. um so i just like a moving fight i don't uh i don't doesn't matter if it's on the ground or if it's standing up. I like it to move. I don't like it to to crawl and, and be slow, basically. 
With your uh, your win over Alexander Brown, is there anything uh, else in the works next? Uh, is there any continued interest in fighting with LFA? Yeah, I, uh, they had it was a, a mix up. They had asked me if I wanted to fight someone else, and I said yeah. But um, it was a weight mix up, and uh, so that that kind of was out the window. But um, I plan on trying to at least get one more fight in uh, this this year I had cracked my ribs in the fight and I don't know how. So I've been waiting for them to heal. I mean, I'm still training, but, um, they're still kind of sore and it's been six weeks and they're still kind of sore and they still kind of flame up after activity and stuff. So I was going to wait till they were fully, uh, fully healed before I, before I started to look around for the next, uh, next fight and train up to it. But, um, I kind of have to coordinate it with, with um, all the things that we do musically and, and all the stuff in life, you know. So yeah. if we have to, you know, plan on going to hit the road or doing this or that, and you, I take I take both of them seriously. You know what I mean? I'm not I'm not just uh, you know doing shit for fun. I like to I like to I throw myself into it. If I'm going to fight, and then I train twice a day up to my fight and that's what I do whenever we're in music that's just a constant thing that we we do and I spend hours doing that every day regardless so whatever it is I just don't like to uh just wing it you know what I mean I like to take the shit seriously a lot so if I'm not going to do that if I'm if I don't have time to take it take it seriously and train twice a day and and, and go compete well-trained, then I just am not going to fight. It's just, it's basically the same answer I gave earlier when, when I was talking about what was in the works for the band Yeah, is, um, basically the same, same method. I just take, take everything seriously and have respect for it and, and prepare for it well, or don't do it at all. I'm not going to walk in. You, you're never going to, I'm never going to talk to you, Kelly, and be like, yeah, you know, that fight I was, uh, I was really, uh, underprepared or I was really coming in sick and doing that, you know what I mean? Stuff like that. I, that's not going to be ever be my explanation. My explanation is that there is a, a you know, a shortcoming or, a, or a, some kind of, you know, loss that I take. I'm going to say, yeah, I made a loss and I thought I was going to, thought I was going to win and I didn't or something, you know, and it's the same with music. That's, you know, we thought we were going to do this and we came up short because we weren't prepared and it was our fault. And that's what, basically try to do with everything you know right yeah extending on what you were just uh, talking about is there anything that you learned in music that you can uh that that you can transfer over to uh mixed martial arts and vice versa is there anything from the mixed martial arts world that you can uh transfer over to the music world yeah i think there i think there's a lot um it could be something really simple and literal and stupid, like uh, just physical, the physicality of it, you know what I mean? But also I'm a firm believer that there's only really a handful of things that you can learn in life, period. So um, I think everything everything transfers, transfers over, even right down to the actual journey that it is. If, if you're an, you know, an unsigned fighter, trying to make a name for yourself and trying to be the best and come up and, and do this, or if you're in an outside group, 
to me, it's the same thing. You know, these these organizations or these schools or, or whatever it may be um, could be the same thing as these labels and these um, venues and, and stuff like that. So to, to me, it's, just, it's not. But with that being said, I think everything is like that. I, I don't. So that's that's a you know an answer, but it's kind of a shitty answer because it doesn't specifically tell you the <laughs> the things you know what I mean the the, the things that I, that I think about. And really, it's because there's so many I can't you know kind of nail it down. I just try to have a you know well-rounded philosophy in in each, and basically that you don't know everything. You're not very good. You're probably lucky, you know, to be there. Don't waste anyone's time. Don't waste your own time. And try to try to make the most, you know, of whatever opportunity you have. If, you, if, you, if you're not doing, performing the way that you want to perform, you know, it's, it's your own fault if you're not having the success that you want to have in music. Um, I mean, it's not anyone else's fault. If you're not having the success you want to have in fighting, it's not anyone else's fault either. It, it, to me, it's, it's just always always your own fault if you if you're getting your ass whooped go find the best teacher at at what you want to learn and move there and live in a school and and learn that you know what i mean if you if you're if you're losing on the um on the musical tip you know find you know the most talented people that you can find mimic them see what they see what they do try to understand what they understand learn what they learn know what they know and execute, you know, execute it the way that you're you're supposed to be doing it. You know, it's it's pretty much the same, um, as far as I'm concerned, for anything. It's just most people kind of hold themselves back or, or you know, make excuses, be it um, in health or in fighting or or whatever it may be. Like, oh, I'm not a not this kind of person or that kind of person or or this runs in my family or it doesn't or oh yeah I wasn't born in New York City or not or oh yeah I wasn't musically inclined and all that none of that shit's real so I don't know if I even answered your damn question no 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 that's great no that's no that's perfect um in in regards to you know your broken ribs um what do you, you know how early do you feel like you could be able to fight next um, just from a being prepared standpoint, I like to train up eight or eight or 12 weeks. So, um, I don't think these things are going to be healed for a couple weeks. Um, so two, two weeks from now. Um, and then on top of that, I would have to, you know, find an opponent. Yeah. And then, on, uh, then when I did, then I would have to train up to that fight eight or 12 weeks so you know probably three or four months at the soonest and and that depends on if where or if you know an an opponent can be found um that is kind of agreeable you know michigan amateur fighting is kind of like the wild west (laughs) (laughs) you know right it's uh well, it's 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 really. I don't really agree with it. I mean, I don't really care to have enough problems with anything, or or don't really don't really like or dislike it. But I think it's bullshit that that you can choose to be a professional fighter in Michigan. Does that make sense? 
Right, right, um, right. <laughs> I don't have to go fight an amateur at all. I know I know a few shitty fighters that turn pro and never had never fought amateur, can't fight worth a shit and just do it to get five hundred dollars every time they fight. You know what I mean? Right, right. And it's uh it's like a hustle to them, but I've never um I've never thought about making a dime in music or fighting. I just like doing it and that is something that when when you like when you enjoy something when you like doing it, the motivation to do to do it is um, greater than any kind of monetary motivation you can have. You know what I mean? And I, that's that's really what I believe in, really how I live. So, um, I think yeah, Michigan fighting is bullshit. I think you can uh, go and be a pro tomorrow if you want with no fight experience and go get your head pounded in for money. That that's kind of a joke. I don't, I don't think anyone should be able to be a professional for any, for any reason. I think you, I think you should fight amateur, get experience. I think you should be good. First off, you should not <laughs> lose as an amateur. You should stack up wins as an amateur before you decide to become pro. And then, you know what I mean? And, and right. There'd be some type of process, but, um, there's a lot of, uh, a lot of shit kind of in, in the Michigan fighting, you know what I mean? That is a little bit different. I mean, shouldn't there some, be some sort of a uh, like, like level of honor when it comes to you know, being a uh, mixed martial artist instead of like just going for these even these little money grabs that they're going for with turning pro? Yeah, whatnot? yeah, that it, it's kind of uh, yeah, basically. Um, to me, it's, it's different when they go hand in hand and you're like, uh, you're fighting to survive and you're really hell bent 10 toes down on, on becoming a fighter and competing and doing that. That's a little different to me, but yeah, I think there should be a process and there, there, just to be clear, there, there are processes in, in other States. Yeah. Um, there is a, is a, is a thing where you, you know, you have to go through, you have to have X amount of fights as an amateur x amount of wins or, or whatever it may be to, to turn pro but as far as honor is concerned yeah I, that is that's a whole other thing that is you know not sanctionable by uh, an organization that also at the same time is kind of uh not quantifiable you know what i mean you can't you can't look at someone to get it you know if they got it or not you know what i mean right. and it, it's kind of one of those things that you see nowadays with the no integrity having um, people buying belts and shit like that, you know, and and you, I'm sure you you've seen it in, in in a bunch of things like jujitsu where you know you have you have black belts running around and um, you kind of necessarily know that uh, that this person is not a black belt or a or whatever, but Basically, it's just the, the the westernization of of anything. <laughs> you know, the the jujitsu made it over here, but uh, you can you can purchase some some features there. So <laughs> there's a couple no honor having, no integrity having uh, people anywhere you go, though. You know what I mean? Right. It's not that's not the world ain't isn't just going to be completely foolproof in that in that aspect. So I wouldn't expect sport competitive fighting to be any different right to kind of uh close out this interview uh i did want to uh, mention something you uh 
I follow you on Instagram, and on there you're always, uh, you know, posting some pictures about um, with training. But uh, what I also uh, find interesting is that you uh, are always posting about the books that you're reading. Uh, what you cur- what are you currently reading? Um, let me look at my bag right here. I read about five hours a day. That's another. That's what I really enjoy is reading, and uh, I make sure to wake up early to read. I usually read about one, one or one and a half books a day. I just don't post them all because that's kind of annoying if someone posts one or two <laughs> books uh, a day. Plus, it's kind of like <laughs> right. People won't read. People won't take the recommendation. Plus, a lot of things that I read are not are not things that I would recommend. But um, I tried to to post interesting standout reads um, so people could if if they they if they're curious because a lot of people ask well, what are you reading or, or things like that. But uh, right now I got okay. This is a spread. I got a. Robert Kraft and Igor Stravinsky. It's uh, Conversations with Igor Stravinsky. It's a musical uh, okay. you know, composer. I don't know if you, if you know Stravinsky. Oh, yeah, yeah. Actually, probably my favorite, if not one of my favorite uh, composers. Another uh, another book that I was reading right here is, is uh, called Rogue Warrior. It's uh, Richard Marcinko. Um, and he uh, put together uh, SEAL Team 6. Yeah. Back in back in the back in the day, um, I was started reading that this morning after I finished this book. Um, it's called "A Billion Wicked Thoughts," which is um, I just finished, and I was actually going to reread tomorrow uh, because it was profound to me, and I would recommend it. Um, Ogie August and Cy Gautam. Uh, wrote this book. They're from from I believe they both work at Google. Okay. And um, I don't want to just be parroting off false information, but I believe this is probably the biggest macro study that you could do, um, as far as an unbiased study. You know, uh, obviously Google being the search engine, it takes uh, it's, a lot of a lot of it is about sexuality and gender and um, and I believe that it's one of the only unbiased studies you can do because, you know, without any laboratory bias or anything, knowing that it's being observed, I forget forget the terminology for that, but it's a, it's a gender and it's a sex, you know, sexual kind of oriented book about searches and uh, demographics of male and female age groups across the, across the world. So... It's called a billion wicked thoughts, probably because they surveyed a billion people, right. which is very unusual to survey um, without without them knowing. Surveying one billion people across the whole world of, of every kind of per, you know person without them knowing they're being surveyed. I've never understood uh, or read about any any study like this. It's I don't think it was possible, you know, until until very recently. Right. So it says some real, it's a very clear kind of picture of of sexuality and the differences between male and female. And it's, to me, it's enlightening and it's refreshing because I get so sick and tired of hearing about the bullshit like happens today with like how gender is a choice and how, um, you know, 
equal, like the definition of equality is kind of off and not, not really correct, I guess. Um, partly because in a way I don't, I don't believe that, um, it's natural for males and females to be equal, not sociologically or economical, but, but we're not, you know? And, um, this is kind of funny to read because it, it just basically verifies that. Yeah. As much as everyone says it's, it's one way, it's actually another, but yeah, it's called the billion wicked thoughts or is it a billion wicked? Yeah. Billion wicked thoughts. It's, it's really good. I would, uh, I would recommend reading that, but I usually keep a few, I usually keep a, a scientific book, um, whether it be scientific in the sense of, you know, science, like Newtonian ones or physics or even social sciences and uh, history or sociology or philosophy of some, some kind, and then some kind of music or art book, but then also a, uh, I don't know what it would be called, a um, book a guy is supposed to read, I guess, you know, about training or, or, or guns or physical something, some kind of fighting or combat system or some, something like that. I usually keep one of each of those. So right. I would actually re- recommend the, the billion wicked thoughts though. It's a, it's a good read and it definitely reveals, like I said, a lot of things that kind of, people kind of have the wrong idea about, which is really annoying because I feel like it's a, uh, I feel like women really have a, a leg up and a strength that they should exploit. And I feel like men do as well. Uh, the most obvious one being physical, obviously, you know, a, a man is typically stronger than a woman. There are exceptions, of course, but, you know, we should be exploiting the, the strengths of the genders that, that we have rather than acting like they don't exist. Yeah. You know, and I feel like, you know, women are more outfitted to do certain things and, um, whether it be careers or, or lifestyles or hobbies or whatever, I think they're more outfitted in, to excel and kind of expand the, the collective consciousness of uh, basically the world of, of whatever it may be in that field. And I, I believe male males have the different strengths as, as well to do the same. And I think it's kind of like should be a working together thing to kind of expand that, you know, instead of, Instead of acting like we're the same and just kind of running a place, which doesn't do good for anyone, you know? Right. One of the um, books that you posted on your Instagram that I was very interested in was um, uh, Sex at Dawn. Uh, relationships is something that I'm, I'm always kind of curious about um, due to my own sort of personal confusion about it or wanting certain things or not wanting certain things. Uh, you know, what was that, what was that book about? That book, I uh, I would recommend that book too as well. It's about um, well the the subtext um, of what it was, which was something like sex at dawn, uh, why we stray, um, how we may, um, you know, what the modern relationship means. Um, that you know summarizes it, and it takes a lot of studies from from primates, whether they're bonobos or or Rhesus monkeys, or you know, our our closest relatives of the you know chimpanzees and and other things, um, and it basically 
it talks, it, it's, it's a really, it has a real wide scope and I don't want to act like I'm going to spark notes it or Wikipedia or summarize it in, in any way because there's so much to it that it's really, really good. Right. But a few, a few things that, that, um, jumped out, um, to me about it were, was the big idea that, um, that humans have always been warring animals, you know, um, so, big dispelling idea had been, um, you know, just this violent competition for mating and, and, and to, to prosper, whether it be with food or possessions or, or materials or mates or how many partners uh, a person may have. But, you know, that's not really actually true. And, and it hasn't been true more than it has. For example, I think it uses the, the idea that, you know, we've been people for millions of years. And um, only for a couple thousand years have we actually been at war or created wars and, and, and things like that. And this doesn't have anything to do with mating. It kind of veers off to come to come back around full circle. But I feel the it, it makes the same same point with, with mates and things like that about how a lot of what we believe to be true when it comes to monogamy and things like that is not natural or true. And um, it's not practiced in any of uh, our mammal ancestors. It's not practiced amongst uh, amongst anyone um, that we know of besides us as humans. No, there is one type of of monkey, and I forget what it was, that is a... uh, they have a mate and, and, and that's it. But the point is about, about how humans have kind of had this sociological or, or cultural almost. It's, it's kind of a cultural um, trait or characteristics that they, that they take on with, with monogamy and things like that and how it is, it is a natural and it um, it definitely isn't an answer, or it doesn't doesn't make for a better society. Or a, and, and everyone knows the obvious examples about about marriage and things like this, but um, and divorces and other things like that that are obvious. But it it really peels the peels the onion down on on relationships and those types of things that kind of didn't come along until religion and, and stuff like that. Um, Back in the old 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 societies, if, if you if you know much about people before written stories, you know before the Bible, before all these things, they didn't value um, one person of the opposite sex. They didn't value uh, money and gold. They didn't value possessions and things like this. These weren't things that they valued. They right. they lived in groups. They had multiple partners. Um, it never mattered. Um, jealousy was a, is a, basically a learned social construct, and it's it's not an emotion that is just natural in, in people. And, and I mean, there are, I want to say thousands, but if not thousands, hundreds of civilizations, and be it um, certain place in the world or a tribe here or a community there or towns, people here that 
that don't have these these same preconceived notions about um, sex and the opposite sex or partners or wives or husbands or monogamy or things like this and how um, stupid things like uh, possessiveness or, or jealousy or whatever it may be is very cultural and it's learned. It's learned behavior. It's yeah. not um, natural, nor is it, um, nor is it uh, shared with the with the majority of of people. So I'm trying to kind of summarize summarize the book in that way, but it has a lot of a lot of insight from a lot of really good sources that. It, but it doesn't. It doesn't basically launch, launch some kind of violent assault on on marriage or or monogamy or anything. It 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 just says that you know before all these things, before for example the Bible um, or some of the older writings, which we all know the Bible is basically a regurgitated version of some some writings that were even older than that. Um, Things like money, gold, possessions, uh, a, a wife, or whatever it may be, they all kind of came into play when 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 all that that stuff came about. You know what I mean? When 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 those things appeared in stories, you know, hunter gatherer societies didn't want to scrounge and salvage possessions like pelts and bones. They they, they I mean they share they shared all, shared all their food. They shared, you know, all the women, the food, and the children, and they shared all the responsibilities, and it was perfectly fine. Um, that's basically hope, hope that it does the book justice, I guess, with right. the description. But it, uh, it's it's slick though. It, the way that it it's written, it doesn't. It's not some thing like, for example, maybe like Sam Harris or or, or Dawkins or something. How in their realistic deterministic kind of evolutionary biological way they kind of assault religion um chris ryan he doesn't assault the 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 marriage construct or the um the monogamous partnership and stuff like that he's not attacking that he's just saying that it's not necessarily as natural as people say it is right and it's perfectly fine to live without it doesn't have to, you know, it doesn't have to be that, you know, or it's like check a box, single or married or divorced. It's kind of like, uh, well, that's weird because not necessarily doesn't have to be that way, you know. And it, it, a lot of it had, did have to do with religion when when that Chris Ryan says in the book, and I thought it was it was kind of uh, obvious, and, and it's it's very typical and this is the way a lot of people kind of cherry pick facts but, but when you know it was written covet don't covet thy neighbors um the, the wife of, of the neighbor or whatever um for example it also goes on to say or the neighbor's cattle or the neighbor's house or the neighbor's you know all of these things basically just says your neighbor's shit you know what i mean right, don't, right. don't be taking your, your guy's shit but you know they like to cherry pick it and say Oh, the neighbor's wife is the sacred thing. You know what I mean? And, and act like only basically give you the uh, the cherry picked information, and it, and it kind of changes the whole idea of it. You know, when it, when there's a commandment that says don't cover the neighbor's wife, you kind of take that as a whole thing. 
it's it's a lot different than saying, yeah, don't covet any of the neighbor's shit. You know <laughs> right, what I mean? Right. Which is very strange in itself because, you know, what were we doing more than we more for more time than we weren't doing it? We were hunting and gathering, sharing, and things like this, and we weren't we weren't coveting anything. You know what I mean? Yeah. So that's kind of funny, and that's a little side note, but. I didn't. I tried not to make it that long of an answer, man. But <laughs> no, but. no, it was very interesting. No, I definitely really wanted uh, to know what that uh, that was about because the whole uh, dynamic of relationships is something that very it, I'm very interested in. Just due to my own sort of struggle all my life trying to deal with all the social constructs and norms of it, and not really feeling that I fit into all of that. Yeah, it it's possible. It, well, this is the breath of fresh air, kind of this book is, because um, the first step would be understanding that it is very possible not to, and it's and that's okay. That's an option, which is not very um, prominent in society. Society doesn't necessarily champion the fact that there it could be an option to not be into that stuff. Um, or to not be, you know, have that stuff not be appealing or not be a part of your life. That's okay. It's not, doesn't make you any which way. It doesn't, doesn't, you know, necessarily change anything. So it's very much okay to, to have that not be a thing. Right. But at the same time, I, I don't necessarily know if, if that's a real answer. It could be, you know, there could be a guy running around can't get right, can't can't get his relationship right, and all that stuff, and it all could stem back to a, a handful of things in in his life, or his failure to choose someone that's worth a shit. Um, obviously, uh, you know it could be any number of things, but I think a lot of a lot of this stuff stems back to an answer I said before that you always have to first and foremost blame yourself. Um, that's what I do whenever, whenever I run into something bad, like even in a relationship or something, if that ever happened, which it never does, um, I never, I always say, well, you kind of, kind of did this man because you chose to be spending your time with this person. And if you had better, better selecting skills, better, better eye, a more keen eye, you would have, uh, selected a better you know a better person because there's no shortage of people i mean i doubt you're out here running around in detroit like where's the bitches you know what i mean (laughs) (laughs) you know what i mean there's plenty of people around it's not about the the right one or yeah the right one hasn't came along or, or whatever it's like now you probably can't pick the right one and that's uh that's basically your fault not not saying to you but that's that's how i think about it about myself you know definitely well dave it's been great talking with you like always thanks kelly um yeah thanks for taking the time out to chat with me for the podcast um where can uh people find uh you know you online or the band online the band online i believe all the stuff is king 810 flint on all of the um all of the the things that are social. Yeah. Um mine is 
I'm only on Instagram. It's DK Gun uh, because I thought it was the most appropriately fitting kind of visual medium. I don't really enjoy talking and things like that, so Twitter wasn't really my bag. Well, yeah. none of it's really my bag, to be completely clear. But um, I thought this little visual meeting medium was kind of was kind of cool, and people have been asking me a, a bunch about it. So I figured to get them to shut the fuck up, I would I would try to do it. You know? so, <laughs> yeah, I like yeah. your Instagram. <laughs> you know, thanks, Kelly. <laughs> Well, man, it's been good talking with you, man. You have a good day and good luck with everything, man. Thanks, you too. I'll, I'll talk to you soon. All right, later. <laughs> Take it easy. Okay, bye. So that was my interview with David Gunn from the band King810. He's a good brother. Go ahead and support him and the band. And like always, now I am joined with my co-host, pro wrestling and MMA connoisseur, Detroit hip-hop artist and proud Marine. V-Stars. How you doing, man? What it is? Hey, what it is, man? You all right? Stay fresh? Man, I'm good. I'm good. I can hear again. We were off for two weeks. One week is because my uh, my computer uh, crashed. It was just a power little issue. They had, they had to just like kind of reset the board. Nothing was yeah, I think I, I think I'm going through the same shit right now. Yeah, man. I was like, I scared the shit out of me. But it's like, you know, like, you know, like in your um, like in your kitchen, there's that little uh, button that's on the on the sockets when some shit happens. That always pop out. Yeah, that always pop out. Yeah, that's basically what they had to do to like, in in a similar manner, like due to my computer, is just basically just reset the board because there was some sort of like uh power surge that somehow happened and just in the and the computer just shuts itself down just to protect itself yeah and then last week i couldn't do the podcast because my like my hearing was screwed up because i like had like an earwax build up and um it was just like uh they're able to get like the first doctor visit they're able to get my um everything out of my left ear just fine but it was kind of a challenge on my right ear so I had to go back a few days later and do all of these eardrops in my ear for all those days to soften everything up. But during that time, mm-hmm. man, I was just in pain all the time, you know. And, oh, no, you had to be. Oh, no, was, you had to be. It was awful. There was this one time I forgot my eardrops when I was at work, and I was literally in so much pain that I left work early, but, like, I was so close to going to the emergency room because I was in so much pain. Oh, man. Man, that's fucked up. But everything's out of my ears now. I'm clear. I can hear better than ever. I can hear shit that I don't even want to hear any like <laughs> at all. <laughs> like, right. I'm 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 good now. I can hear I can hear shit in music that I've never really heard in a long time, man. So it's like crazy, man. So like I'm good to go well, that's, now. That's a good part. That's, that's a that good is part. a good part. I mean, and you 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 may not heard a snare that you didn't know that was in a song. You're like, damn, a snare thing. Right, man. There's like these things in the background. I was like, whoa, man, this, yo, this song a little deeper than I thought it was, man. I'm all right, I'm, I'm I'm cool with that. I'm cool with that. <laughs> <sighs> Shit, but yeah, man. Uh, a lot to talk about in the world of you know pro wrestling and MMA. Uh, I know this has happened to you, but it just happened to me recently rampage blocked me on uh twitter what what the hell oh man look you have to yeah, initially i was like that motherfucker blocked me 
So then after a while, I was like, man, fuck it, man. If he want to be emotional, man, let him do that, man. It's like, wow. They, I mean, are you really, you know, you, you're not. I, I was more like, wow, he really got upset about that. I, you know, it's probably all the times that right? I uh, retweeted Mo's uh, uh, fat pictures of him. So that's probably when. Well, I mean, hey, <laughs> it is what it is, man. Fucking, and uh, he's gonna lose on March thirty first, and you know he can retire at heavyweight. Yeah, King Mo can uh, render Brad him. Is the type of dude. He's the type of dude that can dish it out, but can't take it. Right. You know, it's like, wow, you know, you talk all this shit all the time. And because you roll, because you tweeted some shit from Mo, because that's the only reason he blocked me is because I, I tweeted some shit from, uh, about Mo and his name was in. I was like, what a bitch. And I still hit him with messages, even though, you know, my shit might be retweeted. He might see it in somebody else's retweet. But <laughs> Rampage, Rampage, uh, he got female ways, man. Man, like, female ways. Like all all these years, man, I've never been blocked. From what I know, like people that I've like, like you know, interacted with or whatever, I've never been blocked by anybody from the music world, the wrestling world, or anything. But <laughs> it's just yeah, funny that... hey man, join the club, man. Hey, 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 I've been blocked by him for about two years now, man. So hey, I'm okay. That's just more shit for me to talk about, man. But. <laughs> If he that sensitive, man, he a sensitive dude, man. Right, you know, right, sens- right. Sens- sensitive thugs lead, need love, too. Definitely, definitely. So, yeah, March 31st, it'll be Rampage versus King Mo in, uh, outside of Chicago. So, hopefully, King Mo renders him obsolete. Absolute! Delete. <laughs> Delete. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy, boy, boy! A lot of things going on in the world of MMA. Uh, we had this um, this UFC 209 card this past weekend. It was um, mm-hmm. for the most part, it was a real. I thought it was a really, really good card. But then we just had that that uh, that main event that was very just, uh, like I mean. A lot of people, you know, we have a a lot of uh, similar to armchair quarterbacks. We have a lot of right. armchair fighters out there. Um, them dudes fought each other. Yeah. Once already, so they already knew how they was coming. Yeah. So you had to think that this fight was going to be a chess match, and they were waiting. They were waiting all night to counter each other and to see what each other was going to do. And considering the fact that Wonder Boy kept distance from him, that's what people feeling to realize. Right. Wonder Boy wanted, used his length and he wanted, he wanted Woodley to react and try to come in so he could time and counter him. Woodley knew that. So he basically did the same thing. They played chess with each other for five rounds. And um, that's the beauty of, of martial arts, man. You, you know, you waiting on, you know, what would you do if you – it's easy for somebody to say, well, if I was champion, I'd have went out there and I'd have did that. But you're right. not in the fucking cage fighting, man. So I'm not, I wasn't necessarily mad at the fight. 
Um, uh, I was at first until I actually kind of let it sink in, and then sort of I heard uh, Tyron Woodley explaining things. I heard uh, Wonder Boy explain things, and then and then I, I thought I'm like, you know what? Like this is when it comes down to it, this is still martial arts, you know. Like, yeah, it's martial arts. This isn't and like everything this, is this isn't an action movie, you know. <laughs> everything doesn't yeah. have to be and blows for blow, you know. It, and that's what motherfuckers want, and you're not gonna get that out of not out of the skill ones. You're not out of the skill fighters. You're 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 not. You know, most casual fans want to see rock 'em sock 'em kick 'em robots, and that shit ain't it ain't like that, man. You gotta. Things got to be set up. A jab sets up this. This sets up that. If you're, you see them, you, you, you have to counter, you know, whether it's a stance. You, you, a dude might be in another stance, might take you to being in a softball stance because you don't want to. And this is stuff that, you know, you did dress rehearsal over eight to 12 weeks. You know, you're trying to calculate that person move. So when that person come at you with that move in your mind, it's like, okay, I saw that. This is what I do. And I wasn't mad at the fight because I understand fighting. Um, you know, good for Tyron, man, because I keep saying, you know, UFC don't don't want him as champion, man. Dana be saying some whole ass shit about people, and man. Was, and I'm back thing. on my, and I'm back on my brought, Dana White rant. And that was the thing because Tyron brought this up is like they did not promote this fight at all. The way it should have been, it should have been like nope. this was the fight of the night at one of the biggest cards ever in UFC history, and we're doing this rematch, and it's gonna be it's gonna be something. But days before the the um this fight, you had Dana White talking trash about Tyron Woodley instead of promoting yep. the fight. Yep. So. It, it was that. That was another. That was a, a, a weird thing about it. It was just that there was really no real story being told. But they were doing a lot of like showcasing Wonder Boy in certain exactly in certain ways, you know. Before yeah, it, it, and and that's how you could tell they don't want him as champion because you don't see that with Taiwan. Right. You know. You don't see that. You you know. Think about it. <clears throat> Old girl, Amanda Nunes beat Ronda Rousey a couple months out, and they still haven't really did. They still really haven't hyped her up at all since no. that victory. Everything, every everything is still what Ronda Rousey did wrong instead of what Amanda did right. So it's just certain people that are holding belts that the UFC don't necessarily want them to hold them belts. They just buying time so they can get off to their next the next person that they feel like that has that drawing power because without Connor, they don't have anything. That's why, you know, you'll see him in that octagon before you see him in that, in that ring, uh, you know, in that square circle fighting Floyd Mayweather because it will taint their biggest star. You know, UFC is, uh, it, it's, I love MMA, but it ain't fun no more. It ain't fun watching this, the stuff that we see. Right, and it's it's kind of crazy that, like, um, there's a certain aspect of, you can tell that there is champions that the company doesn't want to be champions or even give a shot to. 
Um, like the name that kind of comes up to someone who hasn't been, uh, who seems to be like not getting his shot is Damian Maya. And, oh, indeed. Yeah, and what they're and what they and what they've done is they've booked a fight with him with a Jorge Masvidal, and that means that he is not not necessarily even going to be thought to be getting a title shot for a while now. At this point, yeah. You know, even if you know, just assuming that he um, gets out of that fight, and this is a thing that um, it was funny that uh, this was something that Jorge brought up uh, on uh, the MMA Hour. He was like saying that um, before he, you know, he felt like the company wasn't really behind him, but then um, he basically said that he felt like they finally uh, came up with the. Um, they thought that uh, Masvidal like is kind of like someone that they can use to sort of eliminate fighters that they don't want to see rise, you know? Yep, yep, yep. And that's exactly what they're doing. <clears throat> yeah, it looks like, like, with, yeah, they're trying to, they're trying to, like, not have someone like Damian Maya be in the the, uh, the title picture or hold that title. But, like, and let me ask you something. Someone like Damian Maya, at this point, is there any difference in pushing that sort of, pushing that needle in regards to a pay-per-view buys in comparison to someone like Wonder Boy or uh, Tyron Woodley? I mean, no, none of them really has that power right now. Yeah. Um, the, the, the reason Wonder Boy got the rematch because the fight was so close to first fight. Right. And and this this fight was pretty close. So what they'll do is they'll put Wonder Boy against another top contender, and we'll see what we get because I really think they want him to be champion in the welterweight division. Um, I don't understand why they allow GSP to go for a title in a weight class that he's never fought in before. If anything, if you want to make an excuse for him fighting for a title, then it should be the welterweight title because he never lost it in the cage. So it, it it's just a lot of confusion, you know, going on in the UFC right now. And every every week they do something to where it's like, damn, you can't say shit about Bellator no more because you're doing <laughs> right. some, you know what I'm saying? It's like you want to make fun and crack jokes on Bellator, but how different are you? You're doing shit that you're really not supposed to be doing as well. Right, right, right. Mm-hmm. And you have and you have somebody in with GSP coming back to fight Michael Bisping. You you have someone like uh, Yoel Romero that who has to, who's uh, basically waiting for his title shot. And do you think they? they... No, gay Jesus. No. <laughs> do you do you think the UFC wants someone like Yoel Romero to be a champion? Nope. No, I don't think they want Yoel. It's disrespectful what they do to Yo- Yo- Yoel and Jacare. And them dudes has been busting their ass to get in position to fight for a title. And they let this motherfucker Michael Bisbing, you know, basically, they basically gave him a money fight. Because I ain't going to say he earned a money fight. You know, they gave him a money fight. You beat Dan Henderson, who's 100 years old. No diss to Dan, I like you, and I still right. think you won them fights. But you 
you you defend against Dan Henderson, who was like number twelve, number thirteen. Then you defend against GSP when you come back from injury. No date has been set yet. You mean to tell me Yoel, who has been promised a title shot twice in a row, has been passed over again? Nah. Nah, that shit is whack. Right, shit right. is whack, man. I don't respect that. And I love GSP, man, but I just, I just think it's whack. And that's once again, the UFC, you know, they know they need that star power, so they go let, you know, you know, it's funny. They talk so much shit about GSP. Now look at him. <laughs> you know, hey, I had a meeting with him. Hey, the guy, hey, he wanted to fight. He's a fighter. Hey, let's come aboard. Da, 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 da. Yeah, yeah. Before, if he doesn't want to fight, hey, I know a fighter. They're going to be talking so much shit. And it's like, dude, come on, man. You be talking out both sides of your neck at times. <laughs> you know. And I like Dana. But right. Dana be pissing me the fuck off, man. Be, be like, dog, man, cut the shit, dude. Cut the fucking shit with the bullshit. You know, then to come out and say, if you're not Connor, then don't ask me for money fights. But you give Michael Bisping a money fight. Right, right. He gave him a money fight. I can see if he defended it against a top contender. And you're like, you know what? He deserved a money fight. You gave that motherfucker a money fight. Come on, man. When it comes to like, when it comes to like all this kind of like, this search for star power and these money fights that's going on and trying to be controlled, I and I know and I know we just talked about like how like this uh, Woodley Wonderboy uh, fight was, you know, it's not it was it wasn't necessarily the most exciting fight ever, and a lot of people hated it. You know, saying it was the worst championship fight ever and shit like that. Um, but um, People, the people who, who, who think to say shit like that probably ain't never threw hands in their life. Right. But do you think this, but, but do you think the people that say shit like that, the people that want to be entertained, is that the, is that the audience that they're going for on these pay-per-views? Of course. Yeah. They want the dumb, they want the dumb educated fighter, I mean, a uh, fight fan who don't really understand the dynamics of the wrestler or the dynamics of the kickbox or the Muay Thai practitioner or the person that this is strictly a striker or this person who knows Sambo. They don't know. They don't care about none of that. You know what they want to see? They want to see movie film clips of motherfuckers getting knocked out like they see in the movies. This ain't the fucking movies. This shit is real. Right. Shit is real. So, you know, you're going to get that some fights, but... You know, you're not going to get that all fights, and they don't understand that. So when they see somebody going, you know, some technical shit, it's like, oh, it's boring, boring. That's not going to happen. <laughs> but, okay. These dudes don't. But, like, uh, going towards, uh, kind of going towards that idea of uh, having that exciting main event, do you think, and, I'm, and I, mean, I was thinking about this after this uh, last uh, fight, was do you think for just, like, the pay-per-views alone, do you think, since 205, the UFC has been successful in booking the correct main event for um since then because 206 you had um Pettis and Holloway which that came with a, you know Pettis uh missing weight he couldn't win the interim title and I think he ends up you know breaking his hand or whatever during the fight and Holloway ends up winning and then 207 you had the squash of uh 
Nunez over Rousey. That was just a huge thing because it was Rousey's uh, return. And then 208, you had the, you know, Holmes Deronime shit show. And then you had um, this very technical, very chess playing sort of Woodley uh, Wonder Boy fight for 209. Do you think, like, the UFC has, like, <laughs> failed in getting those exciting main events out there, though, for the pay-per-views? Nope. Nope. Nope, nope, nope. It's, it's because when... <clears throat> and, you know, again, I'm all about stories. I'm all about good comebacks and stuff like that. But it's obvious that when Conor McGregor's not fighting... Nobody really cares. Um, I think the game, I think in UFC, I think they miss John Jones fighting. Yeah. Um, I I want to see him come back and succeed because, you know, no matter the drama you have in life, if you go out and win, people forget about that. And and I want to see a, a good comeback story, man. That dude um, went all the way to the bottom and... and you know, I think I told you this before, man. It's kind of, it's not easy for me to beat up on a dead horse. Right. So it'd be good to, to see the rise of of John Jones again. And maybe he can be that other face that they have, but they don't have no face. All they have is Conor McGregor. And Conor, you don't know what Conor McGregor is, is going to do right now. So, yeah, believe it or not, UFC, they, they're in... I, I just think the numbers that they claim that they've been having over the last couple of years, I think it's going to go down considerably because they don't have that one person. That household name is, I mean, Connor is that household name now, but I think Connor ego is going to play itself out because that dude has too much leverage for a guy who's never defended his title. Right, so, right. you know, you, he's never defended his title. He's lost in the UFC. Somehow we've bought into all the theatrics. And that's not to say he's not going out there finishing the fights because he is. But he has too much power right now. And I just don't think you have. Now, I'll tell you one person who I do think could go out and possibly, you know, have that, you know, he, he can be that that star person, but he's going to have to mop out his division. I think he's capable um, of doing it. Um, Cody Garbrandt, I think he's, yeah. uh, I think he's capable of, of being that next dude, you know, star power wise, man. He has a great look. No homo. Um, he has a great look. Um, <laughs> I mean, yeah, um, they already have he, him like doing stuff. Fight. Like they already have him doing stuff like, like a little bit outside of the you know, of the UFC to you know kind of you know bridge the gap. You see the tap out. You see the tap out commercial when when the fa- the family you know the the family was drooling all over him and his girl, you know was was dead and the family hugged him and he he's like tap out of this shit like it made him feel so uncomfortable. I heard like, about I'm it, but I didn't watch it. Yeah. Man, that, that shit was dope. It's a dope commercial. Nah, but yeah, no, definitely. You know, so, he's, he's someone that like that. That if he can, uh, 
if he can just, you know, start, you know, winning in his division. He has that it. I see yeah. the it in him. He has he has that it power. Now, if he can – and I, I love the fact that I see – because I never liked T.J. Dillashaw, but I've seen the steel pick of, <laughs> of, Col- yeah, of, of Cody with his hand around his throat. I was like, that's gangster as fuck. He's choking, he choking his ass like he bitch. That's what, it, that's what it looked like, you bitch. That's what, like, you, you got to see the pick, you bitch. That's what it looked like. The day the day that came mm-hmm. out, man, it was just like MMA, like, fans and everything were just making memes all day in regards to that. <laughs> oh, I, oh I, ain't, I, I ain't even seen no man. I just seen the pick. I'm like, ooh. They're making it, memes like, and tweets ooh, with it, man. It was bitch. hilarious, man. <laughs> Wow, but no, nah, man, no, I, I definitely agree. I think, I think he, uh, I think Cody Garbrandt, Garbrandt can like definitely be that like that that dude, you know, to step in to be. He can. He has that it power, man. It's it's either you got it or you don't have it. Some people have to work at it. Some people is just given. I think Cody, I think it's given, and he's a young dude that's only gonna get better. He hasn't even reached his peak yet, man. The city did the Dominic Cruz is like, who does that to Dominic Cruz? So, right. you know, um, you know, good for him, man. I, I, I hope he takes it and runs with it. Right, right. And get right. and get his and get his just due money wise. Because at the end of the day, you 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 fighting for your future, man. You know, you you hit it. You, the UFC, you know, is similar to WWE. You know, this man will, in their heart, be like, "I'll fire you and, and make another one," and that's what Dana think. And the problem with Dana is, you just can't make another one. You got to hope that you can find that other one. So, yeah, yeah, I think UFC is is. I think they they gonna be in a world of uh, they gonna be in a world of trouble real soon if uh, things don't pick up because you can't have more going out than you got coming in, and that's a fact. Right. And the the biggest, you know, the biggest letdown of uh, 209 was the fact that we didn't get to see uh, Khabib Nurmagomedov versus uh, Tony Ferguson. Uh, that was... Man, I'm still sad over that. Man, that's the third time they tried to get this fight going, man. <laughs> I talk a lot of shit about Khabib. I'm a Khabib fan. Right. You, I think you know, you know our rocks. We, we could be. I've been yeah. rocking with could be from day one, and to see that happen last week, I didn't even want to watch the, the pay per view after that. Matter of fact, I didn't watch the pay per view. I I went out, you know, and I went out and enjoyed myself, man. But um, yeah, horrible. This fucking horrible, man. I mean, it's hard to defend a dude when. I mean, your body can't shut down, it's true. But I, w- I just wonder how much went into that, you know, as far as, like, did your body shut down? Like, what what, what played in, into your body shutting down, you know, the, to make it do that? Like, what? because you look fine before the day before, so what happened in those hours to where it's like, and it make you wonder, is something going on here? Is something fishy going on? Because that's just weird. It's weird, weird as fuck, man. And you know, I'm I'm still gonna rock with Khabib. You know, um, I hope they can get this rematch going and shit right. wind up being okay. 
but yeah, it's it definitely a blow. And the funny part is, Connor predicted that shit a long time ago. Yeah, see, like this is the crazy thing, man. Like, there's so there as, as much stuff as we, you know, you want to talk about, you know, with Connor McGregor. A lot of the stuff that he's saying is actually coming true. Be man. true. It be coming true, and that's scary as fuck. Like, wow, that dude predicted that shit. That's why I call him Mystic Mac, you know. <laughs> yeah. Like, how the fuck did he know? But no, no, nah, it, it was it was definitely like that was such a letdown, and and it, it was funny like for a lot of people, a lot of things that I I think pe- a lot of people were more, you know, psyched for that fight than the Woodley Wonderboy fight. Um, yeah, that should have really been the main event if you ask me. But you know, I mean, it could have been the main event. It's for the interim title. It could have been. You right. know, um, that's what I wanted to see. I mean. I, I rule for Teron because it's obvious UFC don't want him champion. So anytime yeah. he can defy anybody, yeah, you know, especially when you know it's on some bullshit, I'm 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 a stick by you. But I didn't. That wasn't the main event to me. The, the main event was Khabib and Tony. And when that shit got called, I immediately I, I didn't even care. I was like, okay, well, I'll DVR it. I'll see it when I when, when I come home. You know, and, you know, I came on, watched it, and it was like, true and D styles make fights, and I ain't necessarily mad at it, but was it, was it, have I seen better? Yeah. And it's just bad, man. It's fucking bad, man. It's a letdown for people that want to see Khabib do his thing, man. Well, if we're gonna if we're no, gonna see uh, if we're gonna actually see Khabib fight again, um, it's gonna either be at uh, two ten or two eleven, because after that will be Ramadan, so he's not going to fight during Ramadan. So if he doesn't fight right. if he doesn't fight on either one of those cards, we're not gonna see him at the earliest until the fall. Right. Well, I definitely hope they get it together, man, because it'd be it'd be a travesty if we don't see who the best two fighters in lightweight are because to me those are your champions I don't think Connor's the best lightweight I think Connor's the champion but he ain't the best lightweight in the world I think Khabib or Tony by far um are the you know Khabib being number one Tony being number two Connor falls in somewhere he may he might be three just on the fact that you beat the former champion that to me that was an off night for Eddie Alvarez, but it is what it is. What do, what do you think about uh, Daniel Cormier's upset over how the UFC 210 poster looks? Have you seen it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> look, okay. For for me, those posters just look like crap to begin with. You know, these days. Yep, they look like bad album covers. But go ahead. Like, but. <laughs> It is kind of funny that like he's he's up front but small but rumbles in the back and huge and it's I, like it's almost like that. See, they should be subliminal in my opinion, man. It's like why wouldn't you have the champion as the big dude? Like I like and I'm a I like Rumble, but it's like damn, it's so weird, man. It's so bad. I maybe maybe they're trying to go for that thing where like. 
Rumble's coming for you. He's the big bad guy coming after your title. He's 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 creeping on you. But the the graphic artist is just not that good enough to uh actually bring out that idea. So it looks crap. Yeah. <laughs> like I don't I don't like who who's okay in these crappy freaking makes you wonder right makes you fucking wonder like who who gave you who gave you the go for this like but who said yes to this and they had the same crappy flyer for the our poster for the last pay-per-view man it was like it looks they look awful man like who wants to buy a a pay-per-view when you have a poster that looks like that you know when you're trying to like i don't know to me, it's like, wow, man, why are you, you know, like, man, you make your champion look real bad right now. Like, what the fuck's up right, man. with that? Like, why would you, what, what what came into your brain when you decided to do that shit? So I, I get why Daniel Cormier is uh, mad. You know, he just needs to, I'm pretty sure they're going to come out with an alternative poster to satisfy his needs, but. That need, shit just looks whack, man. They just it don't need to fire the good. whole creative, from... the whole graphic artist department, man. And like, I don't get somebody, like, I don't know, man. Just get some get. I mean, you don't see that shit in the WWE, man. You see these crazy, you know, artwork and stuff like that. Even the Bellator stuff looks really cool. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, I, I I love how Bellator um, do they do that shit. I, I've yet to hear anybody complain about how they're being promoted. You but, know, but these UFC on, on posters end. lately have been trash, man. Like just awful. Oh yeah, man. <laughs> yeah, it ain't. You know, and I, I said this a long time ago, man. That the tide is go slowly turn, man. It's go slowly turn. So people need to. Really open their eyes up and pay attention to what's going on because uh, MMA is now owned essentially by by Hollywood. You know, Hollywood is going to try to make this shit as as pretty as possible. Mixed martial arts is not pretty, and when you try to mix mix pretty and, and beauty, it don't match. Right, Beauty and the Beast don't match in real life, and, and you know. I get the Fatella brothers for for selling it. You totally understand why. Then they're in the business to make money, but we are we're not even really a year into them selling the UFC, and you already see how much they're missed. So uh, yeah, it's it's bad, but it's great for MMA because it opens the doors for. You know the one FCs, the Bellators, the Ryzens. It it gives life to people who get tired of the same old crap. Right. Again, similar to wrestling. Wrestling was at its most healthiest when they had competition. Right. You know, and it was it was major competition. Um, when when Vince bought everything out it became like the same shit every week. So UFC did something similar to that. And you only have these little small 
local shows or regional shows to where it's not on the same landscape. It may be good shows and they have good fighters, but ultimately you piggyback those type shows and try to get into a UFC. Well, the UFC is not the UFC that we are accustomed to, to, to seeing. And, and, you know, so now people are looking for alternatives. Right. And that's why you have, and that's why you have the Bellator similar to Ring of Honor. And and you got the world series of fighting like TNAs and you got, uh, the rising with New Japan wrestling. It, it's so much shit that you can compare it to from a wrestling perspective that, you know, as a fan, if you really love this shit, you can't just view it from one way, which is the UFC. You got to know it all to appreciate it all. And then you can make your judgment on the shit you like, you know, looking at the most and what you enjoy the most. And some may be, some may say, Hey, I love the UFC, but then you're going to have some people that's going to be like, man, fuck that Bellator shit. Then you have some people say, Hey, one FC, I really love that. Then you're going to have extreme people like, man, fuck that. I like legacy. It's nice regional, but I like legacy. Then you're going to have people that's going to say, Oh man, nah, overseas is where it's at, man. You know, one FC and rising, da 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 da, man. So it's all about having options, and it's all about loving MMA across the board, not just one brand. UFC is not MMA. You know, MMA is UFC and a lot of other promotions. So yeah, right, yeah. Because I was, um, I've been, I've been doing a lot of uh, reading up on. Um one championship uh recently and i read this one article with i i forget which fighter it was um but um he just uh recently resigned with one uh, fc and um he had he had gotten offers from bellator from ufc uh to you know come over here um he said that the um that the bellator contract was very the offer was uh very tempting uh, and very close to what he uh, ended up, because he ended up resigning with One uh, FC just because he was thinking about his future and what he wanted to do and everything. But it, the one thing he said was that the offer, um, he he saw everything for UFC. He saw the offer, but then the thing that persuaded him not to go with UFC was that he saw so many people leaving UFC or being cut yep. from the UFC that he was just like. Nah, this isn't going to be a good place for me. But like, he's going to stay with One FC because he uh, got a good deal, what he wanted. But he's also going to ha- um, once he gets done fighting, he already has plans with the company to be an ambassador. See, and that's what it's all about, man. You got to find your niche. Yep. So yeah, that that, that was uh, that was very interesting to you know to to really read about in regards to. Uh, uh, the other uh, companies out there, but yeah, like yeah, like you're saying, there is, there is these other things out there that, um, and, and not everybody's fit for you know UFC, so you just got to pretty much find yep. your little niche, you know. Some people just think UFC is, you know, those alphabet letters is just the greatest, but. It ain't for everybody. Some people don't want that. Some people want to get paid. 
you know, and you risking your life, man. So what I want to be in UFC making 15 and 15 and get KO'd and killed or what I be, what I want to go to Bellator and get 25 and 25 and lose and still be able to, you know, survive a little bit. You know, 50,000 a fight ain't bad for, you know, three months of training. Right. That ain't bad, you know. Plus, you still have your endorsements. But I'm telling you, man, fighters are, are wise enough. And they when they contracts expire, now that they have leverage to say, hey, I want to know what my worth is. Let me see who, who's going to fight for me. To me, it's a travesty that Lorenz Larkin don't have a contract yet. And Ryan, and Ryan Bader for that much. Right. They don't have contracts yet. You know, and they still got Ryan Bader listed on the rankings for UFC, and I think they did that shit purposely. Because, <laughs> you know, I, I think they did that shit on purpose, but he don't have a contract because think about it. They took Lorenz Larkin off the rankings, and he don't have a contract. So why they still got Ryan Bader, but yet they don't have Lorenz Larkin um, ranking. So, yeah, UFC, man, they, it, they're a trip, man. They're a trip. You know, I love, um, I watch the fighters. I don't watch the brand. Right, right. All right, moving on from the world of MMA, let's go to the world of pro wrestling. And probably mm-hmm. one of the biggest news in the the world of pro wrestling is that the Hardy Boys, Jeff and Matt Hardy, the broken Matt Hardy, and brother Nero, Matt Hardy and brother Nero, they have officially left Impact Wrestling. Uh, over uh, lengthy uh, over a lengthy time of uh, contract negotiations, which they uh, pretty much felt like they were being dissed. Uh, they, uh, you know, specifically Matt, you know, with his broken Matt character, pretty much saved this company and gave the the first positive news for Impact Wrestling in years. And they uh, yeah. they were kind of dicking them around for for a few months. Uh, they started uh, apparently they started contract negotiations all the way back in like November or December, and they kept on going you know contacting them over and over again these past couple months, and um, they they still didn't want to give all the creative control that they uh, that that they wanted, and they also wanted to put mm-hmm. this. Um, this ten percent, uh, like thing where uh, anything that the the Hardy Boys make outside of Impact, that they owe Impact. 10% they want to, they want to, yeah, they want to get bread off that. Fuck that. Yeah, they want. So they um they ended up uh, leaving Impact. Um, right now there, uh, there might be some sort of issue still going on with the trademark of uh the broken character. Uh, mm-hmm. so uh, it's not really clear in regards to um. I guess the ownership of that, but there's not, there hasn't been really anything. No one's really come out and said that he, that he can't use it yet or anything, or there's, I guess they have, but um, there's still like a little bit of a, I don't know, whatever about who owns I think, that character. I think, I think the Hardy boys win that because I, I think they created that character. Yeah. So you can't, you can't, you can't come and take something that I created you you didn't have, you know, yeah, sure, you let me do it, but you didn't create that character. 
you know that create that that character was created by by Matt Hardy, and you know, in with being you know him being dope and doing that, also reinvented his brother. So like, how do you even say, oh yeah, uh, you, nah? They, I think they'll wind up winning. Now, could it be in litigation for a minute? Sure, it could. But fans are not stupid. Fans know what's up. And uh, it doesn't matter what, you know, TNA says or what they try to do. You can't control the fans. When the fans know about you, you're going to hear it. doesn't matter. when they so if, if they show up hypothetically in the WWE ring, the first thing that's going to be said is delete, delete, delete. <laughs> you, you can't even... And that's the that's the hardcore fan. That's not the person that remember Matt and Jeff Hardy, the Hardy Boys. Oh, the Hardy Boys. Nah, nah. These are the, the hardcore people that you know. They get excited when they, you know, when they see you. Right. You know. So, um, and it tripped me out the other night seeing the big pop that Austin Aries for uh, you know, finally got. You know, and it, and it and it and it finally seemed like it popped on the main roster, right. and it didn't pop in the cruiserweight roster. You know, so yeah, man, the fans know you can't you can't out sucker the fans, man. The real ones know, right? You know, and, and I think they gonna be okay with whatever they decide to do. Yeah, and uh, and even while they're still on uh, with Impact, Impact, they were you know already starting this sort of tour of going to win all the tag team championships um, around in Mexico and around the States and everything. But they ended up on, mm-hmm. um, at ROH and a ring of honor um, for um, ring of honors event over in uh, Manhattan at the Hammerstein ballroom and ended up beating mm-hmm. the young bucks for the ROH tag championship. So they are the tag champions. And they said that night that they did sign a contract with ROH to um, to to be in the company. Mm-hmm. Um, there hasn't been any details about the length of that contract or what it means or anything, but they said it was a lucrative contract. Um, so even with that, who knows? You might still see them in the WWE eventually because we don't know how big, how long that contract actually is. It could be. It could be a and week. This is true. It could be two weeks. It could be a month. It could be a year. I don't know. They haven't had any uh, detail. I haven't seen any details about the uh, about the length of the contract. But they said it was lucrative, and that they're going to be. They said they're going to be on many, many, many dates in the uh, in the future. But you know, Matt knows what he's doing, and he's been uh, keeping keeping this broken thing going perfectly. Where there's always that sort of. Hence, uh, there's always that mystery with it all, you know, which has been great. That's been exactly. the best part about it. Exactly. So, like, I'm, 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 I'm just excited to see where it goes. I, I think, I think even with this, like the, the broken Matt Hardy thing is so is so huge right now in the wrestling world that it really mm-hmm. doesn't matter where he's at. People will follow him to it. And this is true. And that and that's why you can't front on it, because Matt Hardy is on, he on a roll right now, man. And and you know, it's hard to reinvent yourself. And 
the journey that he's been on is is wow, it's pretty incredible. Pretty incredible. Yeah, so I'm super excited about like to see where this goes cuz now that he's in ROH and, and and maybe even still being able to do the indies and stuff, you have all that creative freedom to do stuff, which is going to be crazy. That's so I'm, so I'm super excited. Just like being a hip hop artist, just like being a hip hop artist, man. <laughs> you get to do what you want to do. Right, right, right. Uh, turning to, to the the WWE, uh, it's been announced that Ravishing Rick Rude will be inducted into the the Hall of Fame. <laughs> Cut the music. <laughs> <laughs> What I like to do is have all you Detroit dickheads <laughs> keep the noise down while I show you what a real ravishing body looks like. Hit the music. <laughs> and he had one of the... And he had one of the best. I love Rick Rude, dude. He had one of the dude, best when music I was a ever. Short, look, when I was a shorty, when we first started, like, when fitted hats, when you can get your own custom-made fitted hats, <laughs> I, got a fit, I got a fitted hat. The hat was black with a purple brim. Yeah. You know, it was a baseball hat, and it was fitted. But... On on the front of the hat was simply ravishing, and I was like a real man. Rick Rule was my guy, man. Rick Rule was my guy. Him and Manny Fernandez, man. Look, a lot of people don't know that the original Legion of Doom was Rick Rude, Jake Snake Roberts, the Road Warriors, uh, and it was Paul Ellering, and, and it was another person. Um, but Rick Rude and the Road Warriors were bouncers in, in, in Minnesota, and that's how they became professional wrestlers. You know, people, you know, they worked out all the time with each other and they grew up in the game, you know, together, man. So I'm I'm super happy to, to see. Look, look, Rick Rule did some shit that nobody in the history of professional wrestling, like, it'll never be done again. Rick Rule, this trivia shit right here. Rick Rule is the only person that had been on a live Raw show only an hour later to be on a live Nitro show in the same fucking day. That was... That was That's the, some real... That was the best... Real... Look. <laughs> go ahead. I'm sorry. No, that was one of the best things ever. I remember that day like it was yesterday. I'm like... Watching, uh, you know, watching Raw, and you're like, he's there with DX doing his thing, and then later on, he ends up on uh, Nitro. <laughs> on fucking Monday Night Nitro in the same fucking night. That was some, like, how did that happen? 
that was some written the shows were again the show that those two shows were live that night no actually i don't so, think, actually i don't think um um raw was live was raw tape was raw tape it was still being taped at that time but i think that was the the straw that broke the camel's back <laughs> And I think shortly after, I, you know what? Nah, I think that shit was live. I think, matter of fact, hold on a second. It's just, yeah, this real shit right here, man. Hold no, on a second. No, I think, I think that still... shit was live because they was in the same city. No, Rick no I, I think they was still being taped. So, um, yeah, it was like, the, yeah, you're right. Yep, These... that's still raw as fuck, though. Right, right. Still raw. He's he he was the only dude that knew. <laughs> He's the only dude that know him him and WCW, and, and yeah, that shit was raw. That shit was <laughs> fantastic, was man. I can remember it like it was today. It was like holy crap! Like wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. <laughs> he was just on, he was just on Raw like an hour ago. <laughs> Rick was that dude, man, and I remember him. Beefed out with Jake Roberts, man, for really fucking, fuck, you know, he was fucking with his wife in real life. And, you know, that, that shit, he didn't know that was Jake's wife, but they turned that shit into some real shit. Right. And Jake had a lot of respect for Rick Rude as a worker, man. Yeah, Rick Rude, man, one of the greatest, man. You know, he was a dude that, you know, I always say, when you had that it factor, you don't need a world championship. Yeah. You you the man anyway. Oh Undertaker you gotta do one Undertaker do one two events a year, he the man when he show up. Yeah, there's no one like Rick Rude, man. Like I remember as a kid when I seen that guy, I was like, Man, that dude Rick was the man, dude. Like I lit look. When you heard that music, dog, when you heard that music, <laughs> I've seen Rick Rude a zillion times at Joe Little Serena and Cobra Hall. Um, when you heard that music and when you heard him get in the middle of the ring, you see Bobby the Brain Heenan help him take off his, his fucking uh, robe. And then when the music stopped and he got to talking, see that? And that's the thing. That's the thing. When you have the gift on the mic, oh my God, Rick had the fucking gift on the mic. See, I used to, I used to hate Rick Rude, man, because although I appreciated him as a wrestler, man, you know, I'm a diehard Road Warrior fan, man. So when him and Manny Fernandez beat the Road Warriors for the NWA World Tag Team Champions, I was bitter for a long time, you know, at <laughs> Rick Rude, but. You know, I was a kid, so right. I learned to appreciate him when he came to the WWE, man. And Rick Rude, it's, to me, to me, this, this is definitely long overdue. Um, you, you, you'll never see. He, he just had a gift, man. When you can wrestle like how he wrestled and be able to talk shit on the mic, that, that gift, man. Rick, this is long overdue for people that really love wrestling, man. Rick Rude should have been, been been in. And I never thought I'd say this, but I hope they hurry up and put Demolition in. I think they deserve to be 
in, in the Hall of Fame. Oh, definitely, you know, definitely. Uh, and for them not to even be mentioned yet, that's a travesty. Because you got people like, I mean, don't get me wrong, I get the George Animal Steals and, you know, you, you, you put fucking Beth Phoenix in the, the, the Hall of Fame and Demolition were imitators that were expected to fail and they succeeded. Right. And, and I wasn't a Demolition fan. I'm always going to be a World Warrior fan, but, you know, even though, you know, World Warrior Animal be on some bullshit, you know, <laughs> with that Trump with that Trump shit. Right. That's a whole other story. <laughs> um but there's that 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 that's still my favorite tag team, you know. Jake Roberts, favorite wrestler, World Warriors, favorite tag team. Um but Demolition deserved to be in the Hall of Fame, man. I hope we get a chance to see them get indu- get inducted, you know, this year. They they deserve that shit. Yeah. Well I'm glad Rick Rude's getting in. Uh he's definitely a unique guy, and like I said, he was so good that he didn't even need a title. He was just the man. He didn't need a belt. And yep. He, and he had the he had them airbrushed tights all the time. <laughs> man, man, look, Rick Rule was funny, dude. Rick Rule was fucking funny. Man, <laughs> former world former world class champion. Um, numerous time United States champion. I think he was WCW champion too, wasn't he? I believe so. Yeah. Yeah, I mean Rick Rule was. He, I mean, he did it all. He did it all, man. And he was Intercontinental champion when the Intercontinental championship really meant something. Yeah. You know, it, at, at 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 one time, believe it or not, the Inter Intercontinental Championship was really to 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 us purists, you know, more valuable than the World Championship, you know, because yeah. Hulk Hogan held on to the title for so long, we didn't give a fuck about that. We cared about who was going to win the Intercontinental Championship. That was like the workhorse. You know, was it going to be was it going to be Tito Santana this week or Greg Valentine or was it going to be, you know, uh, Ricky Steamboat? Uh, still to this day, Ricky Steamboat losing to the Honky Tonk Man is a fucking travesty. Like, <laughs> right. oh my god! And arguably, the Honky Tonk Man is greatest Intercontinental Champion of all time. Still to this day, he holds the record as the longest champion. Right. So, you know, um, yeah, man, yeah, Rick Rule was that guy, man. Good for him. Right. 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 All right, that's about it for this week's uh, Fresh of the Word podcast. Uh, v Styles, tell them where they can uh, find you online. Well, you know, you can hit me on the Twitter with the forward slash with the V S T Y L E Z. Same thing with the Instagram and the Facebook. Uh, my official page on Facebook is uh, forward slash official V Styles. Uh, I answer. You know, all, all statements, questions, uh, hit me up. But remember, always be respectful. <laughs> Thornton Mellon coming soon. Stay tuned. <laughs> uh, thanks again. Thanks for listening. See you next week, hopefully. All right, bye.
Fresh is the word.